0: Okay, good to see you all again. I guess it's been a while—a year and a half. Brian, wasn't here a year and a half ago. Good to see you, Brian. How are you? See Where do you live? Uh, me with Fairfax, living in Annabelle. Oh, okay. You're meeting at Fairfax. Okay, so you owe, you owe us another one. You've got Naomi. Got him. Well, you don't know us anything for him. <laughs> we, we can have him back. David, why aren't you sitting in the front? Look at all these seats. I came in late. Well, But I, I pronounce you early, so come up here. <laughs> you know you can't sit in the back in one of my meetings. I, I would pick on you anyway, but it's easier if you're up here. I could just bring a chair up there. Right here. OK. Um, last time I was here, how many of you were here? Could I ask, just so I know? OK, good. Oh, wow. So we have a lot of work. That's good. Uh, this is somewhat a, a continuation of what we fellowshipped the last time I came. I think this is, is this the third time then that we've, we've had this kind of gathering and um, we didn't put a general subject on these outlines but if we if we did have a general subject it would be living in the kingdom of God or living in the reality of the kingdom of God. And that's really the burden that I have to share with you. Um, we do have some outlines. There are some points which we'll cover. I actually don't have a lot of feeling to to get into the, the points of truth. I think you know them. I can tell just by the prayer and you, you know these points, but I'd, I'd like to talk, hopefully, in a more practical way, how we, uh, how we can actually live in the kingdom in reality. Uh, all of you are working saints, I believe. Some, well, some are serving full time. Some are working. <clears throat> Either way, we have a challenge. We have a real challenge and I, I always hear it from you, especially in the questions that you that you write. Uh, the challenge is this. How, how do we actually live in the kingdom of God when we are surrounded by everything other than the kingdom of God? Well, I would like to use a little illustration for you. I, I was recently in the country of South Africa. And uh, South Africa is really interesting, aside from the fact that we have wonderful churches there and uh, training center, full-time training center. Uh, But while I was there this time, I met uh, a man from the country of Swaziland. Ever heard of Swaziland? Probably not. And South Africa is like this. Let's say, let's say this is the, the country of South Africa. Swaziland is a country within a country like that. Swaziland is a little country that is bordered on every side by South Africa. Okay, And you might say, well, how in the world could they retain their sovereignty? when you're surrounded by a much larger and richer nation. uh, And yet, Swaziland has been a sovereign nation for quite some time. So this interested me, so I had to ask him. (laughs) By the way, this man who I met from Swaziland, his parents were missionaries to Swaziland, and I invited him to the national conference in South Africa. He had never been to a meeting before, and he came to the whole conference. And after the conference, he said, I I have a question for you. I said, yeah, okay, what is it? He said, in the first message, you mentioned the Lord's recovery. What is that? (laughs) I said, I think we're going to need a little time. (laughs) Well, the reason Swaziland has been able to survive all these years is that it has two very precious resources, water and diamonds. South Africa has diamonds too, but Swaziland has bigger diamonds. In fact, the biggest diamonds come from Swaziland. And South Africa is relatively dry, but Swaziland has water. So they can trade water and very large diamonds with South Africa. You didn't know you were going to learn so much about geography here, did you? Yeah. Um, I I do have a point I'm, I'm, I'm using this as an analogy we are a small kingdom within a large kingdom we are the kingdom of God but we are surrounded on every side by the kingdom of Satan aren't we by the satanic cosmos and we can't leave the satanic cosmos. We can't depart from this earth. So we live like Swaziland. We live in a kingdom within a kingdom. And you know how we survive? We've got some wealth. (laughs) We've got water and diamonds. We've got riches that are not available in that other kingdom, are they? And you know, when we preach the gospel when we baptize people, we actually transfer them from one kingdom into another. We actually take them out of the kingdom of Satan and put them into the kingdom of God. But still, once they have made this transfer of kingdoms, it's just like we gave them a, now they have a different passport. <laughs> they had a South African passport, now they have a Swaziland passport, but they're still surrounded by South Africa. And now they need to learn how to live in this new kingdom or this new country. And it's a different, it's a different kingdom with different laws, with different government. Um, <clears throat> you know, the main thing in a kingdom is the government. And when you go to another country, if you want to live there, you have to learn the laws. If you don't, you 're not excused by ignorance of the law. If you say i didn't understand that in I did, you know I just didn 't understand that in Washington DC you couldn 't drive 100 miles an hour in the city. I, I, I was not aware of that law. Are the are the police going to say, oh, since you were not aware of the law, it's okay, don't worry about it? No, they're going to arrest you. Um, so the first thing in living in a new kingdom is we need to understand what governs this kingdom. What what is the number one? Who is the ruler of the kingdom? And number two, what are his laws, his governing principles. We have to know this. Well, let me also say this. We can only be, we can only live in the reality of one kingdom at one time. You can't live in the reality of two kingdoms at once. You can't say He can't say, well, I'm half in Swaziland and half in South Africa. No, you can't. Uh, You have to be in one kingdom or the other in reality. Um, Now, you and I, we have been regenerated. We have been baptized. If anyone has not been baptized, you must be baptized. Baptism is an actual spiritual transfer. Outwardly, it looks like, in the physical realm, it looks like all that happens. Is this, which bay is this? Chesapeake. This is Chesapeake Bay. So if we were to baptize you today in Chesapeake Bay, outwardly it would look like a person went into some water and came out all wet. That's what happens in the physical realm. But when that is going on in the physical realm, in the divine realm, a transfer actually takes place. It's real. It actually happens. You can't see it. But when the baptism occurs, this guy is 100% out of the kingdom of Satan and now is in the kingdom of God. It's a spiritual reality. You don't have to feel it. It's real. It, it's as if you immigrated, you migrated, you have a new passport now. OK, now you are, you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. The question is, will you live there? Or are you going to go back and forth between the two kingdoms? Uh, My friend who I met in Swaziland, he spends 50% of his time in Swaziland and 50% of his time in South Africa. That's how a lot of us live our Christian life, except 50% would be real good, (laughs) right? We spend a greater percentage in the kingdom of this world and a smaller percent in the in the reality of the kingdom of God. We may be around it. Some people, they're around the church life. It's like they don't want to live they don't want to live over here, but they don't really want to live here either, so they kind of live here. <laughs> don't do that. This this is that this is actually no different than this. It, it's, it's the same. It's the same. So don't be satisfied just having a new passport. Okay, now I, got I, I hold a passport to Swaziland. Oh, well, good. Where do you live? <laughs> Where do you live? Uh, now, it's a problem, isn't it? You say, well, Mark, I have a job. And my job is in South Africa. It's not in Swaziland. What do you expect me to do? Well, let me tell you this. You're right. Your job, your job is where you say it is. You and I have to be able to live inwardly in the kingdom of God while we are outwardly surrounded by the kingdom of Satan. You, say, you might say, well, can't be done. Sure it can. The Lord lived his whole human life that way. And... And if it can't be done, then we can't have the church life, can we? We can't have it. So it must be able, it must be possible. And it's an inward matter. Because outwardly, we, we can't leave this earthly realm, not right now anyway. So <clears throat> the secret to living in the kingdom of God is inward. It's inward. And uh, let me say a little something about the kingdom of the world. Um, You know, Satan is the ruler of that world. This this kingdom has a king, and that king is Satan, make no mistake about it. And the kingdom of God has a king who is God, and let's talk briefly about the origin of the kingdom of Satan. Where did it come from, and why is he the ruler? And why is, why is he not only the ruler, but the God of that kingdom? Um, well, the origin of the satanic world, you know, the world in Greek is the word cosmos, the Greek word. And the origin of the cosmos was not God's creation. No, God created the earth. He did not create the cosmos. Satan, before he rebelled, was Lucifer. Lucifer is not a bad name. The name Lucifer means light bearer, a bearer of light and Lucifer in God's, listen to this, Lucifer was in God's kingdom under God's headship, just like we all should be. And under God's kingship, Lucifer ruled over the God-created earth. He, he, he oversaw the earth for God, under God's ruling and headship. Did you know this? That's why he can still do it today. And that's fine until Lucifer decided that he wanted to replace God. He wanted to not rule under God, he wanted to rule over God. <clears throat> so he said, I will ascend. I will sit on God's throne. Can you imagine? A created being says to its creator, I am, I'm gonna be your God and your king. Can you imagine? That's what he said. I'm taking over your throne. Oh God. tolerated the rebellion of one of his creatures, temporarily. And although God did not leave the throne, he also did not destroy Lucifer. And Lucifer's name now becomes Satan, which means an adversary. You know, an adversary is different from an enemy. An enemy is outside. An adversary is inside. He became an adversary inside the kingdom of God, not an enemy outside the kingdom of God. Now we've got to, in the beginning there was just the kingdom of God with God on the throne, everybody is under God, everyone is under the headship. That's beautiful, that's lovely, that's according to God's ordination. Now we have a mess. We've got a rebellion against God's throne. We have a challenge to God's throne. And now we have another realm. Now we have one realm where the illegal ruler is Satan, the adversary of God and we have the realm where god is the ruler over everything this all happened before man was created before human beings were created so the kingdom that satan formed initially the only people or the only beings that were in that kingdom were angels satan himself and however many Myriads of angels rebelled along with Satan. They comprised a satanic kingdom, all angelic. Then man was created. And when when man was created, man was created with a free will. And man needed to make a choice. This is under God's... uh, under God's uh, principles by which he rules his kingdom. Satan's principle is to force you by fear to do things. God doesn't do that. God's principle in the ruling in his kingdom is to give you a choice and to rule by love and life and light and by dispensing himself as love and light and life into you, he will allow you to choose which, which you would like to have. You know the story. <clears throat> God did give man a choice. In the Garden of Eden, there were the two trees of course, there are many other trees, but mainly two, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. I want to impress you with one thing today. <clears throat> when Satan deceived Eve, <clears throat> he came to her with something that sounded really good, really good. You know... Eve was not a fallen being at that time. If Satan had come with sin, I don't think she would have been seduced. There was nothing in her at that time that corresponded to sin. If Satan had come to her with what we consider to be the world, I don't think it would have moved Eve because she didn't have that worldly element in her. So when Satan came to Eve, he, he asked her a question, did God really say that you should not eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Well, of course he really said it. And she answered correctly, but she, she already got snared, even though she gave the right answer. She said, yes, he did. He said, the day that we eat it, we're going to die. That's a correct answer, isn't it? But it's a tree of knowledge answer. So then, now that Satan has engaged her, he tells her a bald-faced lie. He says, you will not surely die. She says, oh, oh. Then Satan puts a doubt in her mind about God. And he says, for God knows that if you eat the tree of knowledge, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Oh, I can be like God. I want to be like God. What was the first temptation in the universe to man? Religion. Religion. Does God want us to be like him? (laughs) Be careful. He wants us to be him in life and nature. He doesn't want us to be like him through behavior. So what a trap. We give the devil his due. He, He is good at his job isn't he he knew exactly what would cause Eve to fall he had to come to her with something very close at least in her mind it was close to what God wanted and, and he got her so inside of this satanic cosmos the first thing you wouldn't think so the very first thing in this satanic cosmos, religion, religion. So if, you're, if you have anything to do with religion, you have nothing to do with God and his kingdom. They are completely incompatible. You may not agree with that. You may say, no, 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 religion's related to God. No, it isn't. Religion comes from Satan. Religion uses the name of God it has nothing to do with God. It belongs to the kingdom of Satan. You have to be very clear about that. Okay, what else? Well now, Satan's got not only angels in his kingdom, now he has humans in his kingdom. And God has only God and some positive angels in his kingdom. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And these men who followed Satan in his rebellion against God developed cities. They they developed cities. There were no cities in the Garden of Eden. So where did cities come from? They came from Satan. So here's another thing that belongs to the kingdom of Satan cities You said brother Mark we all live in cities What are we supposed to do go out to the farms No you have to understand I want you to know the source I told you we have to live in the reality of the kingdom inwardly while we are surrounded by the satanic cosmos but you have to be very clear what is in The kingdom of Satan and what is in the kingdom of God. Where do cities go? Kingdom of God or kingdom of Satan? Satan. Then, the fallen descendants of Cain. By the way, Cain was the first man to practice religion. God gave man a way of salvation, which was the coats of skins of the animals through the shedding of the blood. And Adam and Eve took that way of God's redemption. And so did their other two sons, Seth and Abel. Cain invented another way. He, 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 raised, he raised crops that he offered to God. It Sounds good. He made an offering to God out of what he produced, but it wasn't God's way. God's way was that the animal blood would be shed and man would be covered with the coats of skin. Cain said, I, 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 I want to worship God. I just, I'm gonna offer him vegetables instead of, instead of sheep. Well, let me tell you, <clears throat> God is not a vegetarian. And it says, God did not accept Abel's offering. You know what? Cain was the first man to sign up for this this part of the kingdom of Satan. He was a religion major. That was Cain. What else did the descendants of Cain invent? They invented weapons. You know why? They needed them. You didn't need any weapons in the kingdom of God. There are no weapons. That's why in the, in the millennial kingdom, no more weapons. That's prophesied in the Bible, you know that? All the weapons disappear. But man invented the weapons for protection. you got to have them. If you're living out here, you better have weapons. <clears throat> What else belongs in the kingdom of Satan? The fallen descendants of Cain invented another thing. If you wanna read this, it's all, you know the Bible is a wonderful book. If you get into it, it tells you these secrets that you cannot know anywhere else. Where, what else did they invented? You could say music, I would broaden that they, invi- they invented entertainment. <clears throat> Why did they invent entertainment? Because man needs entertainment. Man needs it, it's a legitimate need of man. But in the kingdom of God, there, there's, no need, there's no need for entertainment because God is there. Amen. And God was man's pleasure. Amen. He was man's pleasure, he was man's enjoyment. Eden means pleasure, and the pleasure in the Garden of Eden was God as the tree of life. So they didn't need the lyre and the harp because they had God. Okay, what else did Satan invent? Satan invented something (coughs) called mammon. Was there any money in the Garden of Eden? Did they pay money for the fruit of the tree of life? Here, what's, 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 what's on sale today? <laughs> they didn't need money. Did Adam and Eve work and earn a wage or a salary in the Garden of Eden? No. So you know what else is out here? Jobs. <laughs> Selling your time for mammon is a satanic invention. You've got to be clear about this. It was never God's intention in his kingdom that men would sell their time in exchange for mammon. Never. That was a concept invented by Satan. That's proven by Revelation chapter 18 in the description of the material Babylon. You know, Babylon has two aspects, the religious Babylon and the material Babylon. In the description of the material Babylon, it says that their cargo includes many things. One of the items is the souls of men. The souls of men. When you sell your time, you sell your soul for mammon. You say, wow, do I need to quit my job? No, you can't quit your job because we are the kingdom of God within the kingdom of Satan you have to do your job because you have to live you say well you just set me up in an impossible situation (laughs) what am I supposed to do you tell me I'm living under Satan that Satan is my boss now and he's my ruler and he's my by the way mammon is equated by the lord to a god he said you cannot serve this god and this god can't do it these are two gods and this guy satan is called the ruler of this world he's called it's called that the lord called him that the ruler of the cosmos and in second corinthians 4 He's called the god of this age. Look at that. Ooh. <coughs> so. Hmm. What should we do? This is why you know the other thing about kingdoms when you have two can you understand that these are opposing kingdoms whenever you have opposing kingdoms you're going to have war and this is why you experience as working saints and serving saints you experience that war you you experience it every day of your life you say wow I got to go to this job the job is worldly it's satanic yeah it is it is just remember if you choose to live in the kingdom of this world Satan is your ruler it's just it's that simple if you if you choose to live in the United States the guy in DC is your president if you don't like him too bad he's your president if you don't like it, you better move. And if you choose to live in the satanic cosmos, Satan is not only your president, he's your god. I don't like it, do you? No. I travel a lot. I mean, every, every year I'm in many countries. I've already been in a whole bunch of countries this year. And in, a, uh, in an outward sense, I, I, I like I like this one that we're in right now. <laughs> I I do. I I, I I'm kind of glad I live in this country. <clears throat> Despite. Let's not talk anything poli- politics. Anyhow, I like living in this kingdom, called the USA. I don't want to. I don't want to live in Somalia. Sorry, I don't want to live in Yemen. I want to live in in the U.S. I like the the general environment here much better. Well, we have to realize, spiritually speaking, you're going to be in one, there's only two choices. You're going to be in one of these two kingdoms. So, how how do we negotiate this problem? How do we do it? Let me tell you. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry. When God... We're going to shift gears just a little bit here. When God called Moses in the book of Exodus, he gave him three signs. Do you remember? And these three... Let, let's set the stage a little bit. God's people... God's people, Israel, were the kingdom of God on the earth at that time. Where were they? In Egypt, signifying the kingdom of Satan. And Moses was chosen by God to lead his people out of Egypt into Canaan. That signifies in the New Testament preaching the gospel and baptizing people to transfer them out of the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God, right? Moses was supposed to be the one to do that in type. And when God called him, he gave him three signs. um, You recall. And all three of these signs were to signify to Moses what what God's intention was in leading his people out of Egypt and into Canaan. The first thing he told him, I think the first one, I may not have the sequence quite right. He said, take some water out of the Nile River and pour it on the ground. And Moses did that, and the water became blood. And this was to show Moses the nature of what? The nature of the pleasure of the world. You know, uh, Egypt, even today, Egypt depends. Egypt's a desert. Everything comes from the Nile. You take away the Nile, Egypt disappears. It's just a big desert. So the Nile River signifies the supply, the enjoyment, the uh, support that you could receive in the world, in the kingdom of Satan. And it looks like water. But when you drink it, it's blood. It's death. It's death. It's not life supply. You, you think it's life supply, and you drink it, it kills you. It's just like the tree of knowledge. You say, oh, I'll eat that fruit. Well, the tree of knowledge is really the tree of death. As soon as you eat it, you die. So this was God's <clears throat> sign to Moses. Moses? If you're going to lead my people out of Egypt, you need to know the nature of Egypt because you yourself need to be out of Egypt. You have to know that what you thought was so good is death. Then he had him, I think I'm going to do it out of sequence. Then he told him to put his, his hand into his bosom. In other words, put your hand on your heart. And when he took his hand out, it was leprous. What's the significance of that sign? The significance of that sign, maybe you didn't ever realize this, it's actually related to religion. What you think is your heart for God, it's satanic. It's rebellious it's leprous you thought you had such a good heart your good heart will not help you bring god's people out of egypt don't depend on that don't rely on that it's leprosy then the third sign and the one we want to emphasize today said take your rod that that you carry that you use for walking take your rod and cast it to the ground And he did, and it became a serpent. And then he told him, pick up that serpent by the tail. And as soon as he picked it up by the tail, it became a rod again. Now, everyone knows you don't pick up a snake by its tail. If you do, the snake's head is still free to bite you. But God instructed Moses, pick it up by the tail. And as soon as he did that, it it was not a serpent anymore. What's the significance? The rod signifies what we rely on, what supports us. My education, my ability, my job that pays me mammon. That's the rod. That's the rod. So now now we're getting to the point, Okay, How do you and I live in the reality of the kingdom of God when we have a job and we live in a city? I don't know if you carry weapons. (laughs) If you do, don't shoot. I'm unarmed, I'm unarmed. How do we do it? Here's the secret. We live in the exact opposite way of the people in this kingdom. We do exactly the opposite of what they do. They pick up their rod by the head. We pick ours up by the tail. What does that mean? Well, we can apply this to many things. It's not just your job, but it is your job. You know, we don't have careers. There's no careers in in the kingdom of God, none. There's, There's no careers. Don't call Don't call this your career. Your job is not your career. Your career is to eat the tree of life, to to become God in life and nature. That's, That's the only career there is. Out here in the kingdom of Satan, we have jobs that we have to do, and we do have to do them. Otherwise, you don't have food. Oh, by the way <clears throat> just while we're at it were there any universities in the garden of eden mm-hmm. the educational system that's where it is It's where it is you say well brother mark brother lee told us to get three phds <laughs> yeah he said get three phds and then go serve full-time on the campus In other words, should we get an education? Yes, we should. Then handle it in the exact opposite way that everyone else does. Are you getting the picture? Should I do a job? Yes. Handle your job exactly the opposite of the way the worldly people do. Should I get married? Yes. Handle your marriage life. Exactly the opposite of the way the worldly people do. You say, wait a minute, Mark. Marriage was ordained by God, not by Satan. True, but listen. The word cosmos means a system, an arrangement. God ordained marriage. Satan systematized it. In fact, Satan systematized everything. Even systematized man's basic needs like food and drink and marriage. He systematized it. So you can have a marriage life in the kingdom of Satan or you can have a marriage life in the kingdom of God. It's possible. You have to handle your marriage in the opposite way of the world. Handle your family life in the opposite way of the world. Say, okay, what does all that mean? Well, let's think about it. How do I handle my job in the opposite way of the world? I just got offered a big promotion in a city where there's no church life, but they're going to pay me a lot. But since they're paying me a lot, I will have to work a lot. (laughs) The worldly people, the people out here, they jump at that. Oh, give me that, Mammon, 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 more mammon, more mammon. Give me that, give me that. You know what we say? No thanks, I'll take less, I gotta be in the church life. I need time, I need time for the Lord, for the church. I'll take less, I don't care. Mammon's not, I don't live for mammon, mammon's not my God. And by the way, we handle mammon in exactly the opposite way of the people in the world. Do the people in the world give it away? <laughs> here's my paycheck, Ben, you just take that. Does that, does that ever happen? No. They hoard it. We give it away. We pick it up by the tail. You say, oh, now you're telling me i got to give away all my money. Yes, you do. <laughs> it's, not my, it's not my word. Read Luke 14. If you want to follow the Lord, you have to give up all of your possessions. I don't want to to give up all of my possessions. Handle everything in the opposite way of the world. And guess what? Now you're in the kingdom of God. Do you think you're going to suffer need in the kingdom of God? You think... You think you're gonna be poorer in the kingdom of God? No, I told you, Swaziland's got diamonds, man. Big ones. And water, lots of it. You do not suffer deprivation when you live in the kingdom of God. If you wanna suffer deprivation, live under Satan. Let Satan be your boss. Let him be your ruler. Let him be your God, then you'll know what deprivation is. If you want supply, if you want plenty, live in the reality of the kingdom of God, that's where it is. So do you understand this sign? The worldly people, the way, don't don't worry, I promise, I, I will eventually get to this outline. Handle your job differently. Handle your money differently. Handle your marriage differently. How do the worldly people handle marriage? Well, today, I love you because it benefits me. (laughs) But tomorrow, I don't like this deal so much. I'm working too hard. That feeling of love isn't really there so much. I got three screaming kids and a job. Get me out of here. And then the worldly people say, oh, sure, just get a divorce. It's fine. (laughs) No problem. It'll be better the second time. Really? Why? Why would it be better the second time? It will be better the third time. Are you kidding me? Let me let me tell you. Marriage was ordained by God, but it has been systematized by Satan. So, if you want to li- have a marriage life in the kingdom of God, Brian, then your the basis, the basis of your marriage life, is not your feeling of love. No. No. You know, we talk about consecration. Consecration and marriage are good parallel. Consecration has a basis and it has a motive. The basis of consecration is that we recognize we are not our own. We recognize that. We recognize that God owns us We recognize that we were purchased by his blood. That's the basis. The motive for consecration is love. Because we love the Lord, we offer everything to him. Don't confuse the basis with the motive because the basis never changes. It never changes. The motive does. The feeling can fluctuate. Your feeling of love can fluctuate. My dear wife and I have been married 39 years. When we were newlyweds, man, the feeling of love every day I wake up in the morning, oh, wow. That doesn't happen today. (laughs) Not in that way, anyway. But you know what the basis of, the biblical basis of marriage is? Not love. Love is the motive. The biblical basis of marriage is a covenant it's a covenant the worldly people would never agree you say oh yeah they do they have vows now listen the vows that they have in those worldly weddings they're missing the key element the key element listen carefully out here marriage in the satanic kingdom, the husband says to the wife, I will love you and blah, 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 blah. And the wife says to the husband, I, I promise, I vow, blah, 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 blah. What's missing? There's a third party to this covenant. That covenant, the marriage covenant in the kingdom of God is between three parties, not two. It's between a man, a woman, and God. That's why you can't break it. God is a party to that covenant. Out here, not so. Can you see that? Marriage in the kingdom of God is very different than marriage in the kingdom of the cosmos. That's why we don't have divorce in the kingdom of God. Divorce, are you kidding me? That means you divorced God. It does. God was a party to that covenant. You say, no, I divorced my wife. No, you didn't, you divorced God. You broke a covenant with God. Well, she, she, she didn't turn out to be that great. Well, neither did you. <laughs> neither did you. You're as big a disappointment to her as she is to you. You both went into it thinking, oh, my gosh, this guy's the greatest guy. Oh, man, we're going to live happily ever after. Then you find out he's not that great. And say, oh man, she's the, most, she's the most beautiful person. Yeah, just wait 50 years. <laughs> you won't feel that way. I'm not trying to, I'm not speaking cynically of marriage. I'm telling you, marriage is for God's economy. Mm-hmm. Marriage is not for our pleasure. Marriage is not for our satisfaction. But I need to tell you, and I can testify to you, If your marriage is in the kingdom of God, you'll be very happy. You will, you will handle your marriage differently. Oh, by the way, in the kingdom of Satan, men can marry men. In the kingdom of Satan, women can marry women. What's next, dogs? Cats, marriage in the kingdom of Satan has no resemblance to the marriage ordained by God. Don't ever confuse those things. Well, I think you, 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 I, 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 I gave you enough now of not only the principle, but some applications. Let me just summarize, then we'll, we'll go to the outline. In summary, to be a person who lives in the reality of the kingdom of God, while we are surrounded by the kingdom of Satan, we, we have to live in an opposite way that the people in the world live in every area of our life. We, we the people in the kingdom of God, uh, in the kingdom of Satan, pursue education for one reason, so that they can get a better job that pays more mammon. That's all. We don't do that. We pursue education so that we can get a job to plunder Egypt, and give to the Lord and his interests. Nobody, no one in the kingdom of Satan would do that. Say, are you crazy? I worked that hard to get that PhD, to get that job. Now, that's not for me. I thought that was for me. No, it's for God. It's for the church. It's for God's interests. It's for his move. How about this? That's what we want to talk about this weekend. How can you and I live in this kingdom while we, of necessity, are surrounded every day by the kingdom of Satan? Okay, so don't forget this picture. Don't forget this picture. Now the first outline that we want to speak on today is talking about the development of the kingdom of God into a realm. Ah! Into a realm. This kingdom of God that is within the kingdom of Satan, guess what's happening? It's developing. It is increasing. Actually, it's invading. There is an invasion going on right now. That's why preaching the gospel is such a battle. That's why getting a person baptized is such a battle. It's an invasion. Oh man, Satan does not like to see even one person get transferred into the kingdom of God because every time it happens he loses territory every time this should give us more feeling about i know we got some full timers here you're serving on the campus oh man when a person is baptized we should be ecstatic because God is ecstatic and satan is crying Every time, this thing, this kingdom of God, when we live in its reality, it develops, it increases, it grows, and it grows at the expense of the kingdom of Satan. That's spiritual warfare, that's what we're doing today. And we want to see this realm expanded to such an extent, Oh, my goodness, I left off. Oh, how did I do this? I'm going to blame it on jet lag. (laughs) I left off. Were you guys paying attention? I left off one of the very biggest things over here. What did I leave off? And I did it in Washington, D.C. How could I do this? Human... Government, Human government. Human government. Man. Am I safe right now is there there's no, no CIA here, are there? <laughs> human government. You say, wait a minute, Mark. God ordained human government. Romans 13 says so. Read your Bible. Genesis comes before Romans. (laughs) God did not ordain human government. Human government, what's the source of human government? Please tell me. The fall of man, the fall of man, which is man joining Satan in his rebellion against God. God ordained divine government. There's no human government in God's kingdom, none. That's why at the end of this age, the stone cut out without hands will smash the great image, signifying the totality of human government. All the human governments will go away, and then that stone signifying Christ becomes a mountain, signifying Christ with his overcomers as the eternal kingdom of God, which will fill the whole earth. All the human government's gone. Amen. I like the sound of that. Amen. Don't you? Yeah. Sorry, Mr. Trump. <laughs> you just have a little temporary job, which we respect. Oh, I like this. I like this picture. I never take pictures with my cell phone, but I might make an exception. (laughs) Okay, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is God. It's God himself. Every kingdom is a totality of a life. The human kingdom is the totality of the human life. The animal kingdom is the totality of the animal life. The satanic kingdom is the totality of the satanic life. We all need to be clear on this point. So what is, when we talk about living in the reality of the kingdom of God, we talk about being in the reality of the kingdom of God, What is the kingdom of God? It's God himself. We need to be in God himself. We need to live in God himself. We need to be filled with the life of God himself. That's what it means. What I said earlier, handle everything in the opposite way of the world. That's the practical side. Now I'm telling you the spiritual side. You want to live in the reality of the kingdom of God? Live in God. Live in the life of God. That's the kingdom of God. God's kingdom has God as its content. God himself is everything as the content of his kingdom. The life of God is the kingdom of God and also the entrance into the kingdom of God. We must see this basic principle. In actuality, God's reigning over us is not an outward matter, but a matter of the innate ability of the divine life. I told you, God's way of ruling is different. God's way of ruling is to come into us as, it's not to pronounce laws over us, it's to come into us as the law of the spirit of life. And this life rules us inwardly and conforms us to the the image of the one whose life this is. Isn't that a delightful way for God to rule? So he doesn't rule us outwardly. He rules us inwardly. And that ruling, ruling really isn't even the best word for it. It's just the development of that life that gets into us. And as the life grows, as the life develops, more and more, we become God. So more and more, we are in the kingdom of God, which is God. Have you got it? The kingdom of God is the realm of the divine species, in which are all the divine things, only divine beings can be in the kingdom of God. That's why man needs to be regenerated in order to see the kingdom of God and in order to enter into the kingdom of God, he has to be regenerated. He has to become a part of the divine species because you know what a fallen man is? Satanic species. Say, no, 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 no. I'm a human species. Nope, not anymore. Ever since the fall of man, there's the satanic species. That's what fallen man became. That fallen man needs the gospel. He needs to be baptized. He needs the divine seed to come into him as the seed of the kingdom. That will make him the divine species. Now he can know the kingdom of God and he can enter into the kingdom of God to enter into the divine realm, the realm of the divine species, we need to be born of God, to have the life and nature of God, thereby becoming God men in the kingdom of God, amen. So, the fallen people are Satan men. And we are God men. Only kind of people in this kingdom are Satan men. And the only kind of people in the kingdom of God are God men. Three, the kingdom of God is Christ himself as the seed of life. Let's all read three together, please. The kingdom of God is Christ himself as the seed of life, slowning to his believers and the into a realm over which God rules as his kingdom in his divine life. Wow, that's a frameable quote, isn't it? That's the kingdom. What's the kingdom of God? Christ himself as the seed of life sown into us. And then once it is sown into us by growing in us, it develops into a realm that we live in. And that realm that we live in, that's the church life. That's the kingdom. The kingdom of God actually is a wonderful person the Lord Jesus Christ, the embodiment of the triune God, wherever he is, the kingdom of God is. The Lord Jesus is the seed of the kingdom of God to be sown into God's chosen people to develop into God's ruling realm. This is... This is not a natural concept or a religious concept. But as life grows in you, the realm expands. So where's the expansion? It's in you. Hey, you and I, we, we are a strange sort of mixture of a Satan man and a God man. Yeah, we, we have the divine life sewn into us. The development of the realm is in you. It's in your heart. It's in the parts of you where God has not been before. That's the development of the realm. It's therefore, number four, let's read number four. This is 2 Peter 1. After I finish in a couple of minutes, you'll have a wonderful reading that corresponds to these points. But let me just summarize this. According to 2 Peter 1, the divine life comes into us as a seed. And then out of this seed, I should read you a couple of verses uh, and you can, Perhaps read them in your group as well. But Second Peter chapter 1 is remarkable because Peter understands that the actual entrance into the kingdom is the development of the growth. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, let me read beginning with uh, verse 5. Well, sorry. Uh, We start with verse three, seeing that his divine power has granted to us all things which relate to life and godliness through the full knowledge of him who has called us by his own grace, a glory and virtue, through which he has granted to us precious and exceedingly great promises that through these you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption which is in the world by lust. You know how you get out of this satanic cosmos? Partaking of the divine nature. Allowing the divine nature to develop. So here's the development. And for this very reason, also adding all diligence, supply bountifully in your faith virtue. And in virtue, knowledge. And in knowledge, self-control and in self-control endurance. These are all the virtues of the divine nature that come out of the seed. Godliness, brotherly love, love, all of these come out of the seed that is planted in us. Then the conclusion is in verse 11, for in this way, what way? The development of the seed the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly and bountifully supplied to you. (laughs) Can you see that? That's the development. As the life develops in us, and the divine nature releases all the divine virtues that are in this seed, or we could say the divine attributes, That is our entrance into the kingdom. Then it's our inner being that is that realm of the kingdom of God. So then, of course, we enter into the outward manifestation of the kingdom in the millennium, because we already have the inward reality of the kingdom in this age. So. A says, we have been allotted the wonderful, equally precious faith, and this faith is an all-inclusive seed. So what should we do? If we desire to live in the kingdom of God in reality, let's read B under four, we should. be diligent to pursue the growth what does that mean well if i told you be diligent to pursue the growth of your human life what would you what would you do to pursue the growth of your human life it's a picture what should we do to be diligent to pursue the growth of the divine life within us, we should nourish that life. We should feed that life. We should have the environment that is good for the growth of that life. It means we should be in the church life. And we should contact the Lord in the word as our nourishment every day. This is not complicated. Just like I said, if I, t- if I said, hey, pursue the growth of your human life, you'd say, what do you mean pursue the growth? I, 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 it's growing. Well, it's growing because it's in a proper environment and because you nourish it every day. If you want the divine life to grow, be in the environment that is conducive to the growth and take in the nourishment that is necessary for the growth. Then life will grow and only one other thing in the human life you want it to grow. Besides being in that good environment and besides nourishing it properly you need to stay away from sickness and disease. That will stop or kill the growth. In the divine life the the spiritual sickness and disease we need to avoid. And we do that mainly by dealing with our conscience, dealing with the world, dealing with sins, dealing with the self and the flesh. Those are the things that would hinder the growth of the seed. as I say, this is not complicated. You know, life is not complicated. It's complex. We can't understand it, we can't define it, but the principles are real simple. You, you gotta t- just take care to nurture this life every day and take care of it and it will do everything else. It will do everything else. It's like the growth of a seed. You plant the seed, it's going to turn out to be whatever it, it whatever kind of seed it is i've used this example before i have a picture in my study at home if you see that picture you will think it's a picture of me it's actually a picture of my father as a middle-aged man and if you see it you're going to say oh that's bark no it's not it's my dad uh i didn't make any conscious effort to look that way. Would would anyone make a conscious effort (laughs) to look? No, I, I didn't. I didn't do anything to look that way, to sound that way, to be that way. That was determined, actually, before I was born. It was the genetic material that produced this bad result. What can I say? But listen, the good news is that divine life works that way. It always produces the divine image, always. And you you will not be an exception. Just has to grow, just has to grow. Okay, let's read Roman numeral five. Okay, so that touches this point right here, human government. This point does not mean that we disobey human government. Don't misunderstand that. You have, you know, if you if you're not clear on that, read Romans 13. You're supposed to pay your income taxes. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You're supposed to obey the authorities obey the authorities, even the ones you didn't vote for. (laughs) It's Romans 13. We got to be clear on that. What this point is saying is we need to live under a higher ruling, which means our ruling is much stricter than human government. We never disobey human government, but we But that's not our standard. Our standard is divine government. (laughs) This, This is a human government answers to this guy, Satan. We live in a theocracy. There is no human government in our theocracy. But there's no conflict either. So we never disobey the human government, but we live under God's direct rule. So, that means we, we, we not only, listen carefully, we not only live according to the conscience. The conscience is not God's direct rule. The conscience is self-rule. So, my conscience might tell me don't say something bad about Ben. And there's so much. I mean, it's so easy. My conscience would protest if I were to say something evil or negative about Ben. But I have to live under God's direct ruling. Under God's direct ruling, I may not even speak anything, good or bad that's not living by the conscience that's living by god's direct rule so we need to be recovered we first man fell from god's direct rule to self-rule the rule of the conscience but man didn't follow his conscience then he fell from self-rule to human rule and actually he fell under the ruling of satan the ruler of this world. So now we have to be recovered all the way back by the same steps. By the same steps. So first we get out of the authority of darkness. We get out of the kingdom of Satan by believing and being baptized. Then we learn to take care of our conscience. Excuse me. Next thing is, we obey the human government. If we violated the human government, We clear that up. Then we learn to live by our conscience, to care for the feeling of our conscience. Is that the end? No. No. We need to be recovered back, not to the conscience, but the intuition. You know, the spirit has three parts, the conscience, the fellowship, and the intuition. To live according to the conscience is very good, but to live according to the intuition is the direct ruling of God. So that's the, re- that's the process as the divine life is growing and developing in us, we, we get back to God's direct rule. In the dispensation of innocence, we see the principle of God's rule. In the dispensation of conscience, the principle of self-rule, and in the dispensation of human government, the principle of man's rule. Because man has degraded from God's rule to human rule, God, in saving man, must recover him from human rule to divine rule. When we are under God's rule, we live by the intuition of our spirit, not according to the conscience, but according to the sense of life. Okay, I will stop here and I think Ben will have some instructions for us or someone will have instructions for us. Why don't we just pray with our neighbor-